2 Corinthians chapter number 1, verse number 20. It says, For all the promises of God in Him are yea, and in Him, amen, unto the glory of God by us. For the next few moments, the next little bit, I'm going to deliver my heart. I'm going to give you everything that I have this morning. And I pray that your spirits would receive it. What I'm going to preach to you is titled simply, Promises. Promises. Will you, if you have your Bibles, will you put them down and lift up your hands? If you do not, would you lift your hands? God, we come before you knowing that your word is anointed. God, I, I ask you this morning that you will touch what you have placed in my spirit, what you have placed upon me, I ask that you would give me the strength to preach. But not only the strength, the wisdom to preach it in. Let what is on the inside come forth. Let it speak to our hearts. Deal with us, God. We ask it all in your name. And everyone said amen. And you may be seated. A promise is a declaration that is assuring that one will or will not do something. It is a vow. It is a legally binding declaration that gives the person to whom it is made a right to expect or to claim the performance or forbearance of a specified act. It is a reason to expect something. According to the Bible dictionary, the promises of God reveal His particular and His eternal purposes to which He is steadfastly committed and upon which believers can totally depend. We can depend on the promises of God. God's promises are impossible to retract or revoke. We cannot take them back. He cannot take them back because God is not a man that he should lie. As I studied for this message, I found an article and the title of the article grabbed my attention. It was titled, Eight thousand promises in the Bible. I'm going to admit to you that <laughs> I did not have the time nor the patience to sit down and verify whether or not there were 8,000 promises in the Bible and neither did the author because they did not list all 8,000 of them, but it did get my attention. I began to read, I began to look and what it did do was it put this song in my mind as I Learned it as a child. Every promise in the book is mine. Every chapter, every verse, every line. All the blessings of His love divine. Every promise in the book is mine. The more I studied, I found that number 8,000 in multiple places. It intrigued me and so I began to read multiple articles. I, I began to read multiple studies and they did not all list the same 
promises of God, more than likely the writer of the article was going through something and found the promises that spoke to him or her and they would put those promises in. Some promises were about help and, and some were about hope and some were about peace and some were about joy because the Word of God is filled with promises. And while they did not mention the same promises, they always seemed to agree upon one premise. And that is this, God always keeps His promises. Not sometimes, but always keeps His promises. The more I read, the more 2 Peter 3 and 9 came to my mind. And in fact, some of the articles would even quote the first part of the Scripture and tell you that the Lord is not slack concerning His promises. It was this scripture that first dropped into my spirit over two weeks ago and, and it began to deal with me. The Lord is not slack concerning His promises. As, as Concerning His promise as some men count slackness but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish but that all should come to repentance. I, I read this scripture over and over and over. I did a study on the word slack concerning his promises. I pulled out my Bible, the 26 translations of the word, and it gave me these translations. It says, The Lord is not negligent concerning his promises, the Lord is not being dilatory over his promises. I'll admit to you, I did not know what dilatory means. I had to look it up. I'll use it in a sentence for you because it means intentionally slow. Are you ready? Honey, I still love you. In the mornings, Kim thinks I'm being dilatory, but I'm not. There may, there may never have been a more truthful statement in a message in my entire life. My wife tells me, you have one speed, and it's, it's way beyond slow. I promise you I am not being dilatory. It's just simply how that I am. Things don't move as fast as they used to at 47. We have stairs in our house that I look at them and I'm like, in the name of the Lord, why? Why? I have to go down stairs to get coffee in the morning to wake up so I would have enough you know, whatever unction to even be able to go downstairs. But to get down them, I have to have coffee, and it's downstairs. Stairs, stairs, and more stairs. No matter how many translations or word studies I, I tried, I, 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 there was something that was still missing in the message. I, I, I began to do a study into uh, the actual meaning of the word in, in the interlinear in the Greek. And I found that it means slow or to delay. It means to loiter or to be unduly slow, you know, dilatory. Translation after translation. I'm still not understanding. I know most of you are not surprised. It takes me a while sometimes. I'm not finding what God is trying to speak to me. And so I begin to pray and I ask God, or, God, are you simply being dilatory with me? And he responds back, muchness. For those of you that are guests, that's a, that's a call back to another message where I used another word over and over and over, and I promised everyone here that I will work it in again, and I just did. 
It is, however, as I read the translations, one after another, that I finally saw what I was missing. The message is not about timing. It is about the single word in the scripture, 2 Peter 3 and 9. It is the single word, promise. The word is singular. It is not referring to the eight thousand separate promises the word slack concerning his promise as men count slackness I, I begin to read it and I begin to study and I begin to pray God what promise are you really trying to talk to me about and I continue to read on and Peter clarifies after that he says in verse number 10 but the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise and the elements shall melt with fervent heat the earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up Paul wrote it like this for yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord shall cometh as a thief in the night the voice of God begins to speak out of the tabernacle out of the temple to John and he said behold I come as a thief blessed is he that watcheth and keepeth his garments lest he walk naked and they see his shame let me sum it all up to you in one sentence. Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. I know we do not know when, for but of that day and hour knoweth no man. No, not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. We are told to watch. We are told to be vigilant and ready. He says, watch therefore, for ye know not what hour your Lord doth come. 24 and 44, therefore be ye also ready, for in such an hour as ye think not, the Son of Man cometh. I know that this is, this is heavy it's not something that I wanted to preach in fact I thought that God was going to allow me to preach about miracle signs and wonders but there's something that's grabbing a hold of me I remember in 1996 in Tioga, Louisiana as I stood on the balconies and I began to listen as Anthony Mangan preached to us about one word and that is expectancy and I watched an entire congregation of over 5,000 people fall on their face and it became an altar call there was no music there was no one pumping or priming there was simply an expectancy and an urgency of when God was going to come back I'm here to tell you this morning there's got to be something that gets a hold of us we can't come in here and play church anymore we've got to understand Jesus is coming Jesus is coming I don't have time to wait around I've got to get serious I don't have time to take it easy Jesus is coming Jesus is coming believe me that's over 27 years ago I have worn, I have that tape. I looked for it last night because I wanted to use that as my title slide because I have worn that tape out, expectancy. And you're saying, Greg, how can you listen to a tape about the rapture? How can you listen to it over and over? And I'll tell you, it's simply because I want to be ready. I want to be stirred. I don't want to be at ease in Zion. I want something on the inside of me that says it's not just a Sunday. It's 
not just a Wednesday, but it's an everyday walk with him. I've got to have a burden. I've got to have something stirring on the inside of me because I've got a promise, and that promise is Jesus is coming. Telling you that entire tabernacle was an altar. Weeping and crying. I'm stirred in my spirit this morning. Because this is not just another message to me. This is not just another moment to get behind the pulpit so that I can preach for a few minutes we can have an altar call and we can go home and everybody can pat each other on the back and say wow we've done our deed for the week we went to church that's not how this works Hebrews 9 and 27 I remember when there were when preachers would stand behind the sacred desk just like this I remember growing up as a child I remember hearing them preach and they would declare that it's appointed unto man once to die and after this comes the judgment I remember as a teenager laying in my bed praying and asking God please don't come back I remember hanging out with friends I remember as, as I woke up and there were drugs all over the table they were passed out there was everything you could imagine going on at the house I remember as an 18 year old man a young man just sitting there and I just woke up and suddenly something grabbed a hold of me and I said God if you'll hold off on coming back until I can get to an altar I promise you I'll live for you with everything that I've got somebody hear me there's got to be an urgency in your spirit we've got to wake up we've got to get a hold of this and realize it don't matter how long you've been in it. You've got to get ready. You've got to be ready. Don't give me excuses. Get a burden because he's coming. Oh, I remember the fear. I don't want us to be afraid. But I would to God there would be an urgency about us. They would preach. They would tell us, for the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we, which are alive and remain, shall be caught up. We're going to be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. I wonder why we don't hear this anymore. Because they would tell us we're going to be caught up together and if you're ready you're going to be caught up and you do not want to be left behind. I've heard it my entire life preacher. If you can say that to me and not be bothered in your spirit you should already be in the altar. To our guests, please hear me. This is from my heart. I've got to give you what I have. 
but Thorough Harris penned these words in 1944 and they're even more true today than when he wrote them he's coming soon he's coming soon with joy we'll welcome his returning it may be morn it may be night or noon we know he's coming soon I know it's not popular I know it doesn't make us feel good but it's necessary Bethel we've got to wake up we've got to get to the place because he's coming soon why would you say this to us pastor because the Lord is not slack concerning his promises that's why it'd be easy to get up here and say he's not slack concerning his promises about, about healing, about salvation, about joy and deliverance. But somebody's got to wake up and realize the same God that made the promise about healing is the same God that made the promise about coming back. And if we're going to believe him for healing, we got to believe him for coming back. Because when he comes back, we've got to be ready. We've got to be ready. We've got to be ready. There's a rapture. And somebody has got to be stirred. The same God that will heal your body is the same God that's coming back for a bride that has made herself ready. Promises. Promises. I tell you, I was, I, I really wanted to preach something else. In fact, when God dropped this verse in my, in my spirit, I, I text Kim. I said, oh, man. This was before Brother Parkey was here. So you see how long this has been working on me. I told her, I said, you know, as much as I, I'm excited Brother Parkey's going to be here, I've got a message that God has given me, and I really wish he wasn't here so I could preach and then, Brother Cornejo's here. Miracle signs and wonders. I, I've, I've texted Kim, texted her, and, I, and I, I told her, I was like, I'm probably going to need this song. Are you ready for a miracle? Ready as I can be. That's how I was doing it in my truck. Y'all get to see what happens in the SUV up here every once in a while. Man, I cranked that up. I, I had it on, I had it on like it was on repeat. And I would rewind back to those portions of the song. That that and it was just they would get all excited. Are you ready for a miracle? Ready as I can. And I man, I was I was singing with everything. I was making noise. Oh, I would love to be preaching something like that. I would love to be celebrating something like that. But the same God. It's the same God. Please hear me. Are you ready for a miracle? Because the rapture is going to be a miracle. So I ask you the question. Are you ready for a miracle? Can you say ready as I can be? Because I got a promise that he's coming back. But he's coming back for a church that has made themselves ready. I know you're wondering, why are you preaching like this, Pastor? Why are you saying these things, Preacher? God's not going to send me to hell. Oh, I know. I know how long you've been in this. 
I know you've heard this and hear me right now because I'm not concerned how long you've been in this. I'm concerned, is there oil in your vessel? Here's what concerns me. The bridegroom has tarried. And we, as a body, have slumbered and slept. Amen or oh me. I've always wanted to say that, but now it fits. Believe me, I'm preaching to myself. I sat back there in that little room this morning and I wept. I said, God, please move in this house. Let something break out in the music. Let something happen. Let something move, God, so I don't have to preach this. Because the Bible says while the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight there was a cry made, Behold, the bridegroom cometh. Go ye out to meet him. I'm going to preach this until I'm blue in the face. They were all virgins. They all looked apart. They all knew the part. So please, don't tell me how holy you are. Please don't tell me what you know. Please don't tell me what you've been a part of. Please don't tell me how long that you've been in this. Because my Bible tells me that they were all asleep. They all looked the part. I don't care about your righteousness or your holiness. Because even the most holy or the most righteous person among us, your righteousness is as filthy rags compared to him. What scares me when you make that argument is this. And oh yes, I have scripture. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. <laughs> Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name. And in thy name have cast out devils. And in thy name done many wonderful works. And then I will profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Please hear me this morning it doesn't matter what you've done what matters is do you have the oil because he's coming he's coming he's coming Jesus is coming soon with joy are you going to be able to welcome his returning don't tell me what you've done don't tell me what you've been or how long you've done it answer the question to him is there oil in your lamp are you ready to hear him say well done. He's not looking for what you've done for him. He's wanting to know, are you ready for when the bridegroom says, come, come. Come on, Bethel. Was the last time you've been stirred? Woe to those that are at ease in Zion. Because the Lord is not slack concerning his promise. 
I know, I know. I know you're going to tell me, but what about the rest of that verse? That he's not willing, that he's not willing that, that any should perish, but all come to repentance. Yeah, he's not willing, but you've still got to come to repentance. You want to know what that word willing means? I studied it. Here's what I found. He is not willing can be defined as it is his plan with his full resolve that we should all come to repentance. With everything that he has, it is his plan that you repent. But the writer did not stop there. They began to explain the root and the origin of that word. He said, but the power of the word lies in us because the word actually allows you to reject his plan. He's coming. It's not his will. It's not his plan. It's not his desire that any would perish. But all come to repentance. But Bethel, hear me. You can reject the plan. You can reject it. You can reject it. Please hear me this morning. Please. You are going somewhere. If you reject his plan, you are going to go somewhere that was not created for you. Hear the words of the Lord as he's about to depart from his disciples. In John 14, he says, Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. It's a promise. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again, there's the promise, and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. He's coming back, Bethel. He's coming back. If we look at the signs that are all around us, there should be something on the inside of us. The Bible tells us as we see the days approaching that we're actually supposed to spend more time here. Are we, are we so at ease that we do not even see the signs of the time that are all around us? Promises. Promises. Oh, he tells them, the love of many, it's going to wax cold. Please. He's coming. He's coming. And if you reject it, Here's what's going to happen, Matthew 25 and 41. Then shall he say also unto them on the left hand, Depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. He did not go away to prepare that place for you. It's not for you. But the promise is there. I don't want to preach this. So why then are you preaching like this? Because if I can get us to awaken in the spirit, 
There's another verse that shook me to my core. Matthew 24 and 43. But know this. That if the good man of the house had known in what watch the thief would have come, he would have watched and would not have suffered his house to be broken up. If the good man of the house had known, if he would have been aware, he would have watched. Bethel, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise. Bethel, Jesus is coming. And right now, as we are enjoying ourselves right now, as we are here worshiping right now, as we're celebrating an addition right now, as we're talking about Sunday schools and a nursery and a fellowship hall, there is a world that's on a collision course with hell. There is a world that is on a collision course with eternity. And there's got to be somebody that cares enough to be aware that will stand in the gap and say, not on my watch. Because there's a promise, there's a promise, there's a promise, and he's coming soon, he's coming soon. There's got to be somebody that's going to reach for those that are broken. There's got to be somebody that's going to care about the lost. There's got to be somebody, Bethel, that's why I've got to preach how I'm preaching. Because there's a family member, there's a friend that you've got to care enough to be aware. Don't come in this house and feel appeased and say, oh, I've done my deed. When they're passing by every day, every hour, you walk by them in the grocery store. You stand next to them at the pump at the gas station. They're on your job. They're all around you in your neighborhood. And you're so at ease. And he's still saying, I'm not slack concerning my promises, Greg. I'm coming back. I'm coming back. How are you reaching for your neighborhood? How do they know you in your neighborhood? Do they know that I'm coming soon? Do they know that I'm coming soon? Do they know that I'm more than just someone to call on in the middle of trouble do they know that I'm also going to be a God that judges them because the God of grace that we're experiencing now will be the same one that we have to stand before promises 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 God is so good to us. He's, we do not deserve Him. We do not deserve Him. But He is good to us. According to the World Population Review, on average, 166,234 people pass from this life into eternity every single day. That's 6,930 per hour. 
in the last hour and seven minutes that we have been here, nearly 7,000 people have went on into eternity. 116 per minute, 1.93 per second. And it is appointed unto man once to die. But after this, the judgment. Luke says it like this, and this, know that if the good man of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not suffered his house to be broken through. I wonder, as we have sat here and 7,000 souls have entered into eternity, how many of us have thought one moment about someone other than ourselves? one how many have thought about the one that has done us wrong how many have thought that if I don't reach for them no one else will in the last 10 seconds nearly 20 people have passed into eternity as we've been sitting here at ease As they come to the music, please. Why am I saying this? Because God is looking for a man or a woman. He's looking for a young person. He's looking for a child. Hear me, please. Hear me, please. Somebody has got to wake up. Somebody has got to wake up. Somebody has got to wake up. Because we have 20, nearly 22,000 people that live in Arnold alone. And here I'm preaching about being excited whenever we reach 100 people. And yet, and yet in our world, more than that will die and go on into eternity every minute. 116 people in the last minute. How do I know? Well, because that he's looking for someone, the Bible tells us, and I sought for a man among them that should make up the hedge and stand in the gap before me, not for themselves. for the land he's not looking for someone to have a burden for themselves he said I'm looking for somebody that will stand in the gap for the land that I should not destroy it and this is this verse of scripture has haunted me because it ends with this but I found none it goes on to say so I have trodden the winepress all alone 
he'd be willing to do that? Because it's not his will that any should perish. But while he's doing it, he's saying, Bethel, is there anybody that cares? Is there anybody that's got a burden? Because I'm coming. I preached a message and I titled it, Ready or Not, He's Coming Back. Ready or not. Ready or not. Are you ready for a miracle? Uh, can we stand? To our guests that are here this morning. While I have preached to this local congregation, understand me when I say that promise, it will affect you too. You've got to be ready. Oh, how many times have I heard people say, oh, preacher, I'm just not ready yet. No man knows the day or the hour. Eternity is inching closer with every breath. It's appointed unto man once to die. Do I want to die? No. But if he tarries, it's going to happen. And after I take my last breath here, the next thing that's going to happen is I'm going to wake up for the judgment. It's a promise. Every head bowed and every eye closed. I'm going to open this altar. I'm going to open this front area. This is our altar. I'm going to ask you, Bethel, are you stirred enough to make sure that you've got oil in your vessel? Are you stirred enough? If you're not bothered, if you're saying, I've, I've heard this my entire life, I'm reaching for you. I'm reaching for you. To the guest, if you're not sure that, that you're going to hear him say, well done, here's how to make sure we repent. That's asking for forgiveness. We ask him for forgiveness. We're, we're simply, will you forgive me of everything that I've done wrong? And we have every intention of when we when we get up from the altar of repentance, of leaving and walking a different way. When we do that, he will fill us with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Our baptismal tank is full. We have robes. We are ready. 
you can walk out of here knowing that you received the promise of the Father. Will you come to the altar? Will you come find a place to pray? Bethel, will you come find a place to pray? Come on. Will you find a place to pray? I'm going to pray right beside you because I want to make sure that I'm ready. I've got to make sure that I'm ready. He's coming. He's coming.